Welcome to ING's Think Aloud, where we try to make sense of the world in the most unbanky way we can. In today's episode... This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. The other thing, it's nice on November 3rd, you're watching and you see who won the election. And I think we're going to do well because people are really happy with the job we've done. But you know what? We won't know. We might not know for months because these ballots are going to be all over. With more Americans than ever voting by mail in November due to the COVID-19 pandemic and President Trump's warning that the results could end up being decided by the U.S. Supreme Court, the specter of a long drawn out contest is still a risk to financial markets, despite Joe Biden's lead in the polls. Heightened political uncertainty is an added risk that investors don't need when grappling with news of a second wave of infections and signs that the post-lockdown rebound is starting to stall. But are risk assets fully pricing in all of these threats? High-yield bonds, which pay higher interest rates to compensate for a higher level of risk, are sometimes considered to be the canary in the coal mine, flashing early warning signs that could reverberate through markets at large. So what are they telling us? I'm Rebecca Byrne, and today I'm joined by Alexi Soroka, ING's senior high-yield credit strategist, to find out. So, Alexi, high-yield bonds have made a pretty big comeback since uh, around March when risk premiums tripled in Europe. But it, it does look like there's been a bit of a wobble in September. Is the market adequately pricing in all of the uncertainty surrounding the U.S. election and a possible second wave of COVID? Should we be bracing for a lot more volatility? Yes, European hail market has certainly rebounded strongly since the March lows, uh, with a positive bounce back of more than 20%. We have had a consistent recovery in every month since the end of Q1 up until the month of September. Uh, we feel that some risks are priced in here, but the scenario reflected in the current spreads is relatively benign and optimistic. An alarming pickup in the COVID infection rates across various European geographies and a spectrum of new lockdowns is certainly alarming. We hope, however, that mortality rates will stay lower than during the uh, spring peak. U.S. elections appear to be a source of risk to us and more volatility in the run-up to them is to be expected. So yes, on balance, uh, we do anticipate more volatility with a less clear direction in the weeks to come. Okay. Alexi, companies have been taking on a huge amount of debt in recent months, and you've written that debt levels relative to EBITDA, a measure of earnings, are at the highest levels on record. Is this something that's manageable, or could we see a wave of defaults? Well, and a lot will depend on the pace and shape of recovery and what economic scenario will actually transpire. Even in the relatively constructive baseline scenarios, defaults are set to continue to rise and probably peak sometime in the first half of next year. Uh, to an extent, the default pickup will, however, be mitigated by higher levels of liquidity uh, that high-yield corporates have accumulated, largely through increasing their overall borrowing levels, uh, which indeed together with lower earnings resulted in their leverage measures going up. So while defaults are set to rise, uh, almost for certain, in the quarters to come, uh, we don't expect them to shoot uncontrollably up because of these liquidity buffers that have been accumulated. Which sectors are you most concerned about and which ones do you think should do relatively better? It depends, obviously, on the shape of the recovery and uh, what's going to happen to the pandemic in the uh, months and quarters to come, clearly anything related to interacting with people, be it 
travel, international travel, leisure, non-food retail, high street retail to be more precise, is going to be affected negatively if uh, there are extended periods of lockdown or flare-ups in the virus. By the same token, technology-related sector, telecoms, media, anything which is electronically driven should benefit or, or not be as adversely affected by the virus, by the pandemic. And we've seen it in the previous months where these sectors have outperformed, whereas leisure sectors uh, were under more pressure. In your recent report, Alexei, you noted that um, the triple C segment of the European high yield market was the best performer in September. So basically the lower quality bonds. Why has that segment done so well? That's an interesting phenomenon, especially given that we are going through this very severe economic stress period. However, uh, we would be cautious about drawing too strong a conclusion from this specific segment because it is peculiar. I think one explanation is perhaps that things are not as bad as uh, was expected at the peak of the pandemic fear back in February, March. So those more risky, dicier companies are recovering or are faring better. Uh, And another one is that uh, this is just a less liquid asset class which moves by leaps and bounds more than more mainstream asset classes which in in European high yield are double B rated and single B rated uh, credits. So we would be cautious about drawing conclusions and certainly the path uh, and the shape of the economic recovery will impact on each of these rating categories. Right. In terms of um, stimulus, the Federal Reserve is buying high-yield paper, but that's not the case for the European Central Bank, right? In fact, there's debate in the Governing Council about whether there'll be any more stimulus at all. Is this something that the high-yield market could benefit from, in your opinion? Well, I'll leave the ECB decision to the ECB. However, it is undoubted that European high-yield market would benefit from any such uh, buying program or widening of the current scope of the program. So when we look at the uh, Federal Reserve in the U.S., they have uh, broadened their horizon to include high-yield in various forms, and we hope it might happen with the ECB for uh, our asset class sake. However, I don't think that's the base case scenario for our market for the moment. Okay. One argument in favor of high yield bonds is that there aren't a lot of alternatives out there. Investment grade bonds offer really low returns. And uh, ECB President Christine Lagarde recently raised the possibility of following the Fed in changing the inflation stance and keeping rates lower for even longer. So does this backdrop provide long term support to the market? Uh, Yes, certainly. Uh, We see the mode of lower for longer potentially extending further and further. This should be beneficial for the European and indeed the global high-yield asset class for the foreseeable future. This is an asset class to be in, and it's just a matter of uh, sizing the allocation to it depending on individual risk preferences. So we do view the allocation to European high-yield as an essential part of a broad, diversified investor portfolio for the years to come. Okay, we've just finished the third quarter. What's your outlook for the fourth quarter and into 2021? Uh, The outlook for Q4 is cautious, given the risks that we have just mentioned, but not outright negative. 
we believe uh, that there is a chance the technical backdrop will remain supportive. Um, the U.S. elections will not be too disruptive, and the year will end on a constructive note. Uh, however, risks are there from an underlying economic perspective, and any significant additional COVID-related economic disruptions will be taken negatively. Okay, Alexi Soroka, ING Senior High Yield Credit Strategist. Thanks very much. Thank you. This podcast has been prepared by ING solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation, or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice, or an offer of solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.